Learn about the strides female entrepreneurs of color are making. Be inspired by their story and enlightened by their leadership, insight, and advice. Welcome to season three of She Leads Podcast Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. I'm your host, Nicole Walker, a mother, businesswoman, and leader. Our guest for today is Sharon Jamison. As an entrepreneur, author, speaker, visionary, and life strategist, Sharon Jamison has been teaching principles of love and self-empowerment for more than 25 years. Her career journey has taken her from owning a fitness studio to managing large integrated healthcare accounts for an international biotechnology firm. She most recently founded the Jameson Group, a leadership training and development company specializing in personal transformation and relational healing. As a life strategist, Sharon uses her creativity and passion to design coaching programs for individuals, couples, and or small groups. Her programs are created to help her clients set goals, develop a plan of action, and achieve the tangible results they desire. She is also a highly sought-after inspirational speaker. With her graceful authenticity, humorous wit, and relatable style, Sharon captures audiences ranging from corporate executives to communities of faith. She provides strategies on how to heal past hurts, overcome self-limiting beliefs, develop emotional resilience, and increase personal and professional effectiveness. Her transformative messages include sessions entitled Leadership in You, We Really Aren't That Different, Foundation for Elevation, and Communication That Inspires, along with many more. Sharon's popular book, I Can Depend on Me, details her upbringing and chronicles her journey from pain to wholeness. She shares how she discovered her purpose, found her path to personal freedom, and radically transformed her life. She offers guidance on how to find fulfillment and experience success in life and in relationships. In her latest release, I Have Learned a Few Things, Sharon shares insights and revelations learned from witnessing many journeys of healing and growth. She captures the commodities that exist between all human beings while challenging the reader to embrace the uniqueness of their individual passion, power, and purpose. Her best-selling anthology, The Strength of My Soul, Stories of Sisterhood, Triumph, and Inspiration, was awarded the Indie Literary Awards for Best Anthology of the Year, and the book continues to be recognized for its inspirational stories. In 2017, Sharon released another Amazon bestseller, Deciding to Soar, 180 Lessons to Catapult Your Life. She is also a contributing author in three anthologies, I Bar My Chest, Faith for Fury Trials, and Open Your Gifts. Deciding to Soar and the 50 Choices to a Fulfilling Life are scheduled for release. Her commitment to the community is evident through her partnerships with several nonprofit organizations. As a volunteer facilitator and coach, Sharon provides empowerment sessions and mentoring services for women on issues related to fear, depression, low self-esteem, leadership, and peak performance. 
She also serves as a minister at the Victory for the Word Church in Stone Mountain, Georgia. Sharon holds a BA in journalism from Hampton University and an MBA from Nova Southeastern University. You can learn more about Sharon by visiting her website at www.sharon, S-H-A-R-R-O-N, Jameson, J-A-M-I-S-O-N.com. Without further ado, Leadership Empowerment with Sharon Jameson. All right. So Sharon, I read your bio and I love your commitment to teaching principles of love and self-empowerment as these are definitely needed. So kudos to you for that. Thank you so much, Nicole. I'm so excited to be here with you. So thanks again for the opportunity. You're welcome. You're welcome. Okay, so Sharon, I'd like to thank you for taking the time to be a guest on She Leads podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. We appreciate you blessing us with your insight today. Thank you. I look forward to having a real great conversation that will hopefully help women look at their leadership abilities differently. So thank you so much again. You're welcome. Awesome. So now let's talk about leadership. So I myself feel that every person is a leader in one shape or form, whether they realize it or not. Would you agree, Sharon? I do agree. And I think sometimes we know that we are leaders very young, but sometimes we don't have people to nurture that leadership ability in us, or we don't have people to help us model what leadership looks like in a female form. And so as a result, we mimic other people and we mimic what we think leadership is. And we start to, I I think, erode our own unique leadership style. So I think we all are leaders in our own sectors, in our own lives, and in our own organizations. But leadership looks a lot of different ways. And that's the beauty of it, that we have an opportunity to create a leadership style that helps us lead from a place of authenticity and from a place of our strengths. Okay, thanks for that. I like that. And I do agree that sometimes we don't have people to nurture our leadership or no one to model after being a woman of color where, you know, you maybe look down for being what they call quote unquote bossy or things like that, whereby it's actually leadership. And if honed correctly, it could be something really great. So thank you for that. That was awesome. Thank you. You're welcome. Okay, so can you tell us when you realized you were a leader and what or who helped you to come to this realization? Sure. I realized that I was a leader very young, maybe around four or five years old. I always felt very comfortable being in charge, and, but I also felt very comfortable connecting with people. Maybe some of that is because my father's a minister And we had to learn how to be in those leadership roles, even if we wanted to or not. And so as a young child, I had a chance to see uh, leadership up front with my mother, with my father. And also, since my parents saw that I had leadership abilities, they allowed me and nurtured my leadership skills. They let me start teaching Sunday school when I was like maybe six or seven years old. So I was teaching people around the same age. They, uh, I became a church musician when I was 11 of an entire church, which allowed me to have leadership skills and to really be in charge of the choir. <laughs> and people listened. So I never felt that leadership was a correlation with age always knew that leadership was not specific based on your gender, 
based on your ability, based on age. It always was about who had the ability and who had the the capacity and the willingness to stand up. So I really have to say my parents helped me because they gave me positions that maybe other people didn't have to be in a leadership role and they supported my decisions. And so I think that's really important sometimes because I think we all are very talented. We all have leadership abilities. But like you said earlier, Nicole, if there's no one around to affirm that leadership ability and to help you cultivate and hone those leadership skills, sometimes the very things that make us wonderful, we don't get to use. And then we start to believe that we're not leaders. But I think everybody is a leader in their own way. We just have to learn how leadership uh, lives in us so that we can leverage it in a way that feels authentic, but also feels authentic in a way that people believe us and are willing to follow us. I think that's really important. So I just had the benefit of parents who just allowed me to be in positions, uh, whether I was qualified or not. (laughs) That's awesome. Helped me understand what my capability was. And I think that's really critical. Yes, yes. Thanks for that. I love that. Yes. And thanks for your parents. And I like what you said as far as it's not being about age, but about the ability, capacity, and willingness to stand up. That is so great. Okay. All right. So in my upcoming book, The Code of Leadership, The If-Then Process, I outline my experiences and lessons that have helped me to become a better leader with the intention of helping others do the same. Sharon, can you share what you would consider to be your code of leadership and why? I think my code of leadership is to always see people as courageous, innovative, and successful people. When we are able to see people from their best self, it allows us to tap into their genius. It allows us to let people know that we see them, we hear them, and we we know them in a way that helps them perform at a higher level. The research shows that when people feel valued and validated and vital, they give up to 70% more. And I think so many leaders don't appreciate the importance of that personal connection. That's why I like Liz Wiseman's book, where she talks about multipliers. We see how people are gifted differently and have different types of genius zones. When we can tap into that, we allow people to perform at a higher level. And if we, we value and validate people, and if we walk with integrity, and if we are the same person everywhere, and that we also model and expect for, for um, excellence from people, people will rise to the occasion. So I, I think when I think of my code, I think of integrity. I think of honesty. I think of creating a culture and a climate where failure and risk-taking is rewarded, I think it's important that we open our spirits and let people understand that they're important. Because here's the two questions. People want to understand, what's your vision? What do you see? And the second thing people want to understand is, does what you see include me? Those are the two different, very pivotal questions that if people can see your vision and understand what role that they can play, I think that helps us be a better leader. 
Yes, I agree. I agree. And I like that always see people for their best selves because it's so easy to, you know, see anything other, but you won't get the best out of an individual until you embrace their genius, like you said, and pull that out of them and let them know that they are great in spite of, right? Because we all have our flaws. It's so easy to point out a flaw. It's a lot harder to point out a gem. And when we do that, yeah, we'll make people understand their greatness and move towards it. Yeah, I think one of the best models that I try to live by is that you can pay for someone's hand, pay for someone's head, their genius, but you have to earn the heart. Okay, I Uh, like that. Try to earn the heart because when you earn a person's heart, that's when they will give sacrificially. That's when they will take risk. That's when they will tap into their passion and they will become innovative and creative. That's when they understand that you care about them and they will risk failing. And if we don't allow people to fail, we will never have innovation. So the challenge is how can I appeal to the heart? Because the hand, you can, that's just help. The head, that's just intelligence. But if you don't have the heart, other hand and the head of a person does not function at the highest level. So my my challenge is how can I touch the heart in a way that resonates with them, which means that even though leadership is collective, leadership is also individual. And we have to always make sure that we are, are being a corporate leader and collectively for the team, but tapping into people individually to make them want to be part of a team and contribute in a team and create a culture that the team can perform and produce and progress uh, in a very volatile market. And I think that's really critical. Yes, I totally agree. I love that. Appeal to the heart. Thank you. Okay. So I believe all leaders experience failure. I myself, I don't like to consider them failures. I like to consider them lessons, take more of an optimistic view. But Sharon, can you share your view on failure and what it means to you? I believe that failure is is wisdom. (laughs) And I think that if we can look at failure and understand that it's not fatal, but it's very fruitful, we can learn. I think what happens is that we start to take failure emotionally and personally. And that's the worst thing we see in for women. We don't see men can fail and they can keep going. But women, because we know that we don't get opportunities, because we know that we are looked at as not being as great leaders, when we fail, we tend to personalize it. And it starts to erode and corrode our our competence and our confidence in us. And so I think failure is hard. I think failure is a lesson. But I don't believe that failure is helpful if you don't analyze what happened, but also If you don't get help, I think that we can navigate our careers by ourselves. Nobody navigates is successful in isolation. Every high performer needs another set of eyes to help you objectively look at where not only where you fail, but where you're slipping so that you can develop those areas or hire someone to to complement your weak areas. So I think failure is something that we have to look at objectively, expect it, welcome it, 
And um, because if you don't respect failure, you won't try new things. You won't be innovative. You won't be creative. You will, you will be stagnant. And the whole world will pass you by and you will really lose your competitive edge. I mean, you can't be competitive if you won't, if you won't risk anything. And I think that when we understand that there's a big reward to every risk, um, that you might lose, but but what you are losing uh, in one aspect of your life, you're gaining because failure is just the tuition you pay for success. Okay. Oh, I like that. You said two things I like. Failure is the tuition you pay for success. And I love failure is not fatal. It's fruitful. So yes, ladies, keep on failing. Okay. So, Sharon, can you share one time you failed as a leader and what you learned from that experience that helped you to become a better leader? I have failed so often. <laughs> we can be here all day, right? But I think my the most profound loss is when I first start managing people. I was in my probably mid-20s, and I was young, and I was intimidated because I felt in my heart that I wasn't qualified. See, that's the thing. When you don't feel in your heart that you're qualified, you are easily intimidated by chaos and intimidated by people who have more experience. You're intimidated by somebody who might be more intelligent than you are. And fear is so toxic because fear prevents you from listening. It prevents you from being strategic because you can't be objective if you're in your emotions. So I made a lot of bad decisions. I ruled from the pen. I would write people up. <laughs> I tried to model leadership in a male form and I failed miserably. But what I understood was this, Nicole, that leadership happens on the inside first. And since I had not handled my internal wounds, I played out my insecurities in a public setting. It's so important for women leaders to understand that our private pain shows up in public places. Mm -hmm. You don't address those wounds, those, those areas in your life that you feel doubtful, that you feel fearful, that you feel less than, that you feel inadequate, that you feel insufficient, and you don't develop that or get support in those areas, those same areas are going to show up when you leave people. Those same areas are going to show up in a public setting. And that's what happened to me. I had not done the, or built the internal infrastructure needed to lead people. And so when I felt threatened, I retaliated. When I felt challenged, I fought back. When I felt that a person was challenging my authority, I would become controlling and I lost out. So, but I was young, you know, uh, people didn't tell me, I didn't have an opportunity to practice in an all white, predominantly male setting. And I failed miserably. And it, it took a lot of therapy to erase and to heal that area because I failed so hard because I failed publicly. And there's nothing worse than a public failure. <laughs> mm -hmm. So that's when I think I failed, when I did not understand that when you are going up, it's important to make sure that emotionally you stay rooted down and deep so that you can weather the storms of leadership. And that was my biggest failure. It was not doing, not knowing really to do my internal work. 
Okay, I like that too. Yes. And I will say that I totally agree with you because as I started out on my leadership journey, I didn't realize how much I needed the leadership teachings that I was offering to others. So like you said, it starts within and until we heal within, we can't help others outside of us or we don't know how to deal with some of the things that we end up facing as the leaders that we are. So thank you for that. Okay. So Sharon, do you feel it's easier, harder, or requires the same effort to be a female leader in the entrepreneur ecosystem and why? I think it's all the above. I think it's easier because technology has lowered the interest requirements to become an entrepreneur. So if you have a good computer, a microphone, and some technical skills, you can have a business. So I think it's easier. But I think it's also harder because there's more distractions in the world now. There's a lot of cynicism. There's a lot of apathy. And so it's harder to be a leader when you're dealing with people who are emotionally and morally fatigued, Uh, dealing with people who are in this world that's changing so quickly. So now to be a leader, you have to understand the difference between dealing with a baby boomer and a millennial. And they're so different. So sometimes it's harder because you're dealing with different cultures within a culture and with different values, with different ethics, with different ethos. And I think that is difficult because there's no one way to lead people. People have been hurt. People have been traumatized. People are very distracted. People who grew up with technology really don't have good communication skills nor good coping skills. So you're dealing with one generation who has great gadgets and then an older generation who has great guts but no gadgets. So it's, it's a way, how do you to get generational divides and get people to work together as a team? That is, I think, is more difficult as a leader. But I also think there it's the same. I think that when we talk about leaderships, I think... There's a foundation, our ingredients that are still true. Having a great character, having great connection, having good chemistry, because you can't work with everybody. A team is based on good chemistry. Having a capacity, meaning that you are committed to growing and ongoing growing. Having confidence to try what's new, what's unusual, what's different. Being courageous. So I think those things are the same, but how they are played out in a very dynamic, fast-paced, technological culture makes it more difficult. So it's easier, harder, and the same all at the same time. When people are being leaders, it's important to have a strategy to engage people. And you can't not have one strategy. You have to have a strategy that's adaptable and flexible to deal with the different variables and the different visions and the different vicissitudes of people's lives. So that's why it's, it's all, it's all of the A, B, C, and D, all the above. Okay. Thank you. Yes. Uh, A, B, C, and D. I have, I think, heard that in the past and can say that I can see how it is all of the above. And I do agree. It depends on where you are, your mindset, what you have available to you and things of that nature that kind of determines how you feel about it and how you move forward. So thanks for that. Okay, so productivity is a hot topic right now, as it should be. Many people want to know how to do more with less and be efficient. 
As a successful leader, this is a must. Sharon, do you have any productivity tips to share with our listeners? Well, I do. My productivity issue, uh, I guess, um, ingredient is to do the least as possible. And let me explain what I mean. I think when we are building or scaling a business or an organization, for us to be successful, you have to have your hands on a lot of things, but you can't do the things. And management is perpetuating the same. Leadership is leading into the future, right? So as a leader, you have to touch a lot and be aware of a lot, but you can't get bogged down um, in doing it. And I think sometimes that's difficult to release the reins. But I also think it's important as a leader to do the least as possible is to stay healthy. Let me tell you, success requires physical and emotional and spiritual stamina. We talk about success. The success is how can you keep yourself poised and positioned for elevation? Do you work out? Do you have a journal? Do you have some coach or some type of a therapist to keep you prepared to adjust to the complexity of the world? So when I think about my productivity, I think, how do I keep myself sane and safe? and keep my stamina first. I'm always first. Secondly, how can I get help to do things I'm not good at? Three, how can I do help, get help at things I don't want to do? And how can I concentrate on whatever the three or four moving, needle movers are? And I just concentrate on those, those three to four needle movers in my business and also in corporate America, those three to four, and then I'll let everything else go. <laughs> now, that might not sound healthy, but I think that we have to understand we can't do everything well. And uh, when my son was young, he was, he was a priority, and that's why I've made a, I made the decision to not go up the ladder so I can be a mom. But right now, I get up, I take care of me, and I do the three things in corporate America and do the three things that will move the Jameson group. And that's it. I don't worry about cooking. I don't clean my house. I don't do any of that. I outsource everything. And that's what we have to do. We cannot be a jack of all trades and then we become a master of none because then we get bogged down and you can't be creative in the midst of intellectual, emotional, or a spiritual clutter. You just can't. Okay. I like that. Oh, you were, you were talking directly to me, just so you know that. <laughs> I love that. I love that. But I especially love you talking about staying healthy as productivity because I do believe that it starts with us. And like you said, physically, spiritually, emotionally, you have to have that to have the stamina needed to keep going. And I do agree with the the three to four needle movers, whether they're in business in business, if you're working for someone else, in business for yourself or what have you, what three to four things move you and require your attention or that you choose to give your attention to. So thanks for that. And thanks for letting me know that it's okay not to be the cooker and the cleaner as long as it's done. (laughs) (laughs) I do nothing. And you know what? Let me just say this, Nicole. And it's so important to not allow another woman to make you feel badly. I want to give this example as a woman leader. When I was growing, when I, my son was young and I traveled all his life and he used to travel with me. We as mothers, we determine how we're going to raise our kids. For example, I traveled so much in first grade that I took my son out of school and said, look, you can't go to school because mama can't manage school and work it. And I let him travel with me. 
and I homeschooled them. Now, a lot of people might say, what type of mother is that? But I told myself, I will create a way of mothering that works for me. And that, that's where the courage has to come. I never cooked and really never cleaned. And people would say, oh my God, your son didn't have a home-cooked meal. He ate at the restaurant. I made sure he, we picked healthy dishes. So again, I did not allow someone's understanding or someone's paradigm to pollute my vision. And I think that's what we have to do as women. However we raise our kids, however we have our relationships, has to be constructed and protected so that we can do our lives. And people used to say all types of things. Oh, Sharon, your son has a, uh, two different socks on, so, but he had on socks. So I didn't get it into that. Oh, Sharon, you never, you never make the homemade cakes. Well, I buy a cake at Publix. It doesn't matter. Do y'all have cake for the birthday party? And I think we have to make sure that we give ourselves permission as leaders to lead all in our lives, because if we don't lead in our lives in a good way, we will not be able to lead outside of the home either. Yes, I love that. Okay, thanks for that. All right, so Siobhan, can you share an experience that blessed your leadership and tell us what the outcome or the takeaway was? Yeah, I think the greatest blessing is when I had a mentor a white male mentor, because that's, we didn't have anything else in the mid 80s, that saw me floundering and failing and took me aside and helped me. I was failing, I was losing my confidence and it was public. I was feeling less than, I stopped speaking up in meetings, I started feeling dumb. Those microaggressions on our soul are, are, are powerful. And for him to take a risk, to help me, to teach me, to help me build alliances and navigate in that corporate culture was really important. Because back then in the 80s, there, a lot of people didn't feel that I belonged. A lot of Black people, a lot of people felt that Black people, we were affirmative action hires. This was in the 80s. And even though I had more education and had greater uh, success, I was still in Black skin in a female form. And he took a risk to go against his own peer group to help me because he saw that I had abilities and talents. And that blessed my soul because it's one thing when a person says they support you, but it's another thing when a person rolls up their sleeves and takes some hits in their own career to develop you. And that blessed me because I knew he took a risk to help me in a culture that tried to demonize me or dehumanize me because I was a, a black woman. And uh, they villainized him for helping me. But I think he was God sent. And I'm grateful that he taught me a lot because I had the talent. I just did not know culture because I had not been in that situation and I had no family member who can help me. I was first. That's what's hard for a lot of black women or black people or any type of minority group. If you're the only one in your family, you don't have that pool of wisdom that you can pull, that well of wisdom that you can pour from. And I'm grateful that that, that guy was there to help me. And um, this really made a difference in my life then. And, and if I could ever see him again, I would love to let him know that it was a life changer. 
Wow, that's awesome. That's funny you say that because I will say that the two people in my corporate career that helped me were white males. And I found it so odd when I sat back and thought about it. But like you said, those are the people that are in the positions to do so, you know, so you take the help as it comes. So yeah, good for them to actually be willing to give that helping hand because they don't have to. Yeah. So yes, glad he did. Okay. So Sharon, can you offer our listeners the best advice you have as a leader or have ever received from a leader and tell us how you've implemented it into your life? Oh, yes. I said it before. My best advice is to understand the power of connection. And not just connecting to who the person is, but connecting to their genius. So often people don't have someone else in their lives to confirm and validate something that they're good at. And I believe we all are treasure chests of genius and talents. That's how I look at everybody. There's mm-hmm. you yes. And you have to be willing to go into that chest and pull that treasure out of people. But also they have to trust you to allow it. And I think that when we understand the importance of connection, we will develop not only loyalty, but we will also develop people in a way that they want to give back. The second, I think, best advice is to learn the language of conflict. Knowing how to engage in conflict and rigorous debate and to do it diplomatically is an art because we're not going to agree with everyone. But there is a way of disagreeing without disconnecting. And that is a skill you have to learn. Because some of us, I didn't grow up seeing that. I just, you know, I just learned, you know, you tell someone off and call it a day, but you can't do that. And I will encourage everyone to invest in learning how to disagree without becoming disconnected. Because it is those feelings that nobody talks about that disrupt and destroys your team because people don't know how to say what they need to say. And so what happens is it creates uh, resentment and bitterness and it really erodes teamwork. So I would say learn how to connect with people and but also learn the language of constructive conflict so we can disagree agreeably and diplomatically so we don't have to disconnect from each other. I think that's critical. Yes, I love that. I love that. Thanks for that. Disagree without disconnecting. I think that is definitely a leadership tool to take and carry with you wherever you go. Okay, so you made it to the finish line. How do you feel? I feel that to me, the finish line doesn't happen until I die. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> I get to one finish line and then that finish line on one aspect of my life is the starting line of something new. So I, I never look at finish lines. I think that I am going to be growing and changing and adapting to, until I die. Because to me, life is a privilege. And because it took me a while for me to really know who I was and how to maneuver in the world as Sharon, I want to make up for lost time. And so the finish line would be when I'm in my casket. But other than that, I'm going to do all that I can as long as I can. Because I believe that we all have something to contribute to the world. And I'm just getting started and I'm grateful. 
Awesome. Yes. Well, we are grateful to have you today. So we want to thank you again for being our guest on She Leads podcast, Leadership Empowerment for Women of Color. But before we part, do you want to give our listeners your contact information or mention any events, products, services, and or ventures that they would benefit from knowing about? Well, thank you so much for that, Nicole. I really appreciate the opportunity today. But everything is my name, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, website, everything is my name. And that's Sharon, S-H-A-R-R-O-N, Sharon Jameson. And yes, I have a new book coming out early this year called Deciding to Soar 2. It's interesting, the book was originally coming out last year, but it didn't. But that, but see, that's a leadership role. When you don't like something, you wait, Right. So the book is coming out and, and I also have some great masterminds coming up and some coaching programs for mid-managers because I, what I realized is that you can't get to the this, this C-suite if you're making a lot of mistakes, unknown mistakes on the journey. And so I'm excited about that. So I would really ask everyone to visit my website and look under the events or follow me and I would love to follow them back so we can help each other because I believe that sisterhood is, is a strategy. And I want to be strategic and partner with every woman listening to this podcast and also allow them to partner with me because I believe when one of us gets elevation, we provide a model of excellence for the world and that we can reach down and reach back and pull each other up. So I would love for them to connect with me. And uh, again, thank you so much, Nicole, for the opportunity to be with you today. It has been a blessing and a pleasure. You're welcome. Thank you. Yes, we definitely appreciate your insight today. Thanks again. You're welcome. I really enjoyed this interview with Sharon. I love Sharon's unapologetic leadership of her life. As a leader, it is important to determine what works and what does not work for you, even if it goes against the status quo. As Sharon stated, we must give ourselves permission to lead ourselves as we choose and not let someone else's understanding pollute our vision. The status quo tells us women are supposed to be the cookers and cleaners of the home. However, Sharon boldly decided her life would be defined differently. Your life is your choice. I admire Sharon's unlimited view of leadership and her upbringing of embracing the leader she has within. According to Sharon, leadership is not based on age. Leadership is about who has the ability, capacity, and willingness to stand up. Sharon showed the truth in this statement by leading in her church at a young age. Having parents that encourage you to go the extra mile and provide opportunities for you to shine is truly a blessing. I can relate to Sharon's struggle with the corporate America culture. As with Sharon, I had the talent to excel, but did not get a crash course in the do's and don'ts of this world before entering it. Understanding how to navigate corporate culture can be a tough lesson to learn when only looking at situations from one angle. To successfully navigate your way in corporate America, you have to understand and accept the culture while being prepared to play the game. Nicole Walker's takeaway for this week. Sharon mentioned a few things about failure that really stuck out to me. Sharon said, failure is not fatal, it's fruitful. 
Failure is the tuition paid for success. If you don't take risks, you'll lose your competitive edge. My takeaway for this week is to not internalize any failures in my life and continue to push forward. I will continue to take risks by thinking outside the box and trying new things. A quote by Eleanor Roosevelt reads, do one thing every day that scares you. And now we have Nicole Walker's Leadership Challenge of the Week. Are you struggling with your leadership effectiveness personally or professionally? Can you use some help in attaining the goals you have set for yourself, your team, or your company? Do you know what it takes to hit the mark but need some accountability to get there? My leadership challenge for you is to get out of your way and reach out to Nicole Walker Network today. Nicole Walker Network is here to help you be the successful person you know you are. Email Nicole Walker Network at info at NicoleWalker.net to set up your personal consultation and continue on your path to greatness. You are already a great person. With Nicole Walker Network, you can become even better. Follow us on Facebook at She Leads Podcast and Nicole Walker Network. You can also follow us on Instagram at Nicole underscore Walker underscore Network. Don't forget to like, subscribe, and share this episode of She Leads Podcast, Leadership Empowerment with Sharon Jameson. Thanks, and until next time, be empowered and empower on.